We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. And welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 124 of the pod, a bi-week pod. It's not an off week. It's bi Never an off week, always just a bi-week. Uh, wish it was an off week with the showing that the Bears had London. Plenty to get to on that front. We'll whip it around the NFL as we always do. Give you a couple locks. You should have zero faith in my picks at least. I'm still hanging one. in there. Sliding to one and five. Matt's at three and three on the season. Respectable could go either way. I really got to make a push here to feel good about myself. I trust um, you. I know yeah. we're competing technically, but I trust you. I like your pick this week. We'll get. We've gotten. Like we've gotten fully into the fade Musso realm, and uh, you know I can't be mad at it. It's just the numbers don't lie. The That's numbers okay. don't lie in this situation. It, we'll then it's, go into it's, a little it's a streaky lifestyle. We'll then go into a uh, a little buy or sell and send you guys on your way on a wonderful Wednesday. But first and foremost, as always, Matthew, how's life? Uh, it's going all right. How about yourself? Yeah. yeah, you know it would be better if Sunday went well. Yes, uh, you know these uh, these Sundays in the fall have a way of dictating the tempo for the week to come, and unfortunately, uh, the the bit of a uh, uh, decrescendo in London is setting a tone for now two weeks. Yeah, as we that's sit. that's always the the hard part is when you have that bitter taste for two weeks. As we sit on a Bears buy at three and two, could very well be a five and zero ball club, yeah. but. Uh, that is not the situation the Bears find themselves in. Uh, hopefully, it's another situation where we're looking at the season uh, from the end of the season, looking back at the games and saying that's where home field advantage could have come from and not saying that's where the playoff berth could have come from. Still mm-hmm. plenty of room, plenty of time, plenty of divisional games uh, to kind of put your flag in the ground and be productive. But let's break down what we saw on Sunday outside of a flat first half performance from the Chicago Bears. You say, where do you want to start here? Because there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, it, the defense was a no-show in the first half and then kind of a no-show when it mattered in the second half. The offense was a no-show for most of the game except when they were put in good positions by their special teams or defense. Um, the offensive, I shouldn't just signal out, single out the offensive line. Both front sevens were, uh, were, were pretty terrible. Um, really, if you look back at this game, there is one standout, one thing you can, ha- in my opinion, that you can hang your head and say, wow, they did that really well. Allen Robinson played his tail off, and Allen Robinson showed, I think, to the, most of the NFL that he yeah. is a legitimately true number one wide receiver. Made he a was couple fantastic. great grabs, touchdown uh, that one, grab. Was the one along the sideline, I think, along the side for line, you know, 15-yard first down pickup was 95% of the players in the league don't make that catch. It was a fantastic catch. Um, yeah, just kind of getting the ball to him, and I think I think Chase Daniel being as experienced as he is, regardless of his lack of in-game experience, but just his time, his service time in the NFL, knows that when things are going wrong, you just look for the ball to the best athlete yeah. on the field. Um, You're going to have a chance. I, I think Mitch is still hesitant to um, default to that t- type mm-hmm. of thing. But, um, you know, this isn't going to be a Mitch conversation. Would the outcome have looked any different on uh, Sunday if Mitch was playing quarterback? I couldn't argue that it would. Um, just because of the way that the team stepped out on the field. And, you know, the conversation is always had before, what's the proper time to travel when you're doing one of these overseas games and um, how much thought you have to put into the actual uh, body reacclimation. I don't know the truth or the science behind any of it. All I know is that the Bears team that took the field for the first half of that football game looked nothing like the Bears team that played the prior four games this season. It was unrecognizable. They were getting gashed in the run game by a average offensive line in the uh, Oakland Raiders. They were unable to get to the passer or unable to get to Derek Carr and really get him off his spot. Um, the way you make your money, the way you create turnovers. They were unable to do all of those things, and it looked like a product of heavy legs and flat feet. I, I do want to say hats off. The Bears lost this game, no, make, no mistake about it, but hats off to John Gruden and the Raiders out there. I know they played shorthanded. They're a better team than people want to give them credit for. I'm not sure they're a playoff team, but they're not the joke of a team that a lot of people wanted to say they were going to be, especially you know when Camp kind of was a joke when Antonio Brown that whole fiasco happened. They cut them. They're a much better team than people expected. That said, this was a product of the Bears not really showing up to play. And I'm, I'm really starting to wonder 
a little bit what the mental makeup of this team is like. I mean, yeah. you talk about the environment, you talk about the, the travel and all that stuff. And it, it kind of just rung up a point in my head that I hadn't even thought of until now. You think of in the past, especially this Matt Nagy tenure, there, there have been a couple moments where that's been a storyline where, you know, where the bears are going is a tough environment to play. And will that affect him and all that London people were talking about the travel Denver, People were talking about how, you know, no one can go into altitude and win. Granted, they won that game. And last year, Miami, people were saying, oh, you know, it's hot and humid. And, you know, how are they going to do with their, you know, they're banged up and all that stuff. And all three times, you saw pretty flat showings. I I know the defense played better in Denver. But when it came down to it, you saw a little bit of a collapse there at the end that they needed to be bailed out by a terrible roughing the passer penalty and Mitch stepping up in the pocket and a kicker. I'm really starting to wonder, not, maybe it's not fair, maybe it's all just coincidence, a little bit about the mental makeup of this roster. Because there have been, as good as the defense has played, as good as the offense has been, I mean, don't get me wrong, the defense is elite. There have been a lot of moments, there have been a lot of times where they've faced adversity and really not answered the call. I think that they have the swagger necessary to go into these tough places to play and win. I don't know if they have the focus or the leadership. That like might be who, it. Who is... Two big questions come to mind when you're when you're evaluating the makeup of a team as they approach games. And to me, it's who are the leaders and what is the offense-defense makeup. I mean, we've both played on teams where it's super segmented. Mm-hmm. Offensive guys talk to offensive guys. Defensive guys talk to defensive guys. And there's almost an animosity at practice when you're getting ready for the week. There's also the teams where... Everyone's kind of intermingled. You're supporting one another. And there's a much tighter fabric to that team. Mm -hmm. I think this is the former rather than the latter. I don't know if there's a bunch of discourse between the offense and the defense on the Chicago Bears. And oftentimes you get that when one segment is far more talented or far more um, Performing outperforming the other segment. And I think we're starting to see that schism offensively and defensively. I'm confident with the leadership on the defensive side of the ball, but are those guys confident enough to lead the offense as well? Sometimes guys don't want to overstep. And when you're talking about um, leaders like Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan, who are a little bit more soft-spoken, leading Mm -hmm. by example, and are comfortable around their guys, maybe they're not comfortable getting in the face of a Kyle Long, a Tariq Cohen, a Allen Robinson, uh, a Chase Daniel, a Mitch Trubisky, and saying, hey, step it up. Hey, this is what we need. Or even, hey, guys, go out there and do your thing. Like, Let's do it. Let's just, go. It's more just they're getting to the bench, they're getting to the sideline, they're doing their thing, not much interaction. It seems like that discourse is gone. And if there's not a leader on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to continue to see the type of futility that we're seeing. And offensively, there are moments, but there has not been a half where I felt comfortable about this offense's ability to create momentum. And I think that's outlined in a couple really important statistics that Mm -hmm. I'm going to just offer up here. And it's just dismal, dismal ratings by this offense. The Bears' offensive rankings going into the bye. So the explosive run rate, the amount of runs seven yards and longer. 3% of their runs are explosive runs. 31st in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yards per play offensively, 4.5, 30th in the NFL. Explosive play rate, 5%, 30th in the NFL. Points per drive, 1.44, 29th in the NFL. Explosive pass rate, 6%, 28th in the NFL. Offensive efficiency, 10.6, 26th in the NFL. I don't care how thick your playbook is and how big your brain is. If you cannot get that scheme to appear on field, Something needs to happen, whether it's a conversation internally, whether it's a different approach offensively by Nagy, whatever it may be, change needs to happen over these two weeks to figure out how to get this offense going to create momentum drive after drive, because that's where success is at. It's not one successful drive, three punts, and an interception. You're going to you're gonna find ways to win football games with a defense this good, but you're never going to win anything meaningful with numbers like I just outlined. This offense is not good enough to even maintain a playoff level of competition. Yeah, it's like the, not. The comparison that people I've heard a couple times this year is, you know, 
well, the 2000 Ravens did it with Trent Dilfer, and they didn't have that great of a quarterback, but they will do just enough. That offense also had Jonathan Ogden at left tackle, who's one of the best left tackles to ever play, and Jamal Lewis in his prime at running back, who, if you remember, didn't he hold a single-season rushing record at some point? I'm not sure if it was that year, but he was one of the elite running backs at the time. So they at least had a semblance of a running game. This offense doesn't do anything well. And, and it, we starts, use- it starts up front. I mean, and I, I'm always going to bring things back to the offensive no, line It always here. does that. And you brought up, you know, offense doesn't seem to have a lot of leaders that are going to, you know, stepping up and saying much, whether they are or not. We don't really know. Defense is afraid to go over there. The guy who that's always been in is the past is Kyle Long. And it's really tough to be that guy that gets into people's face and tells you to get going when you're playing terrible football. And I love Kyle Long. He, he's a bit of very good Chicago Bear, and unfortunately, they, he was kind of here in the wrong time because he was an elite interior lineman when the team was just god awful. I don't know if he's that anymore. I don't know if he's, he's that good. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's just kind of lost it because he's bought his body's betrayed him. But he he was the leader on that offense. He was the vocal guy, and it's hard to be that guy, or it's hard to take that guy seriously when he's not doing his job. And I think that does have a trickle down effect on the rest of the line, on the rest Even of the up. offense. Even harder to be that guy when you're not on the field. And yeah. for all the great things that we could say about Kyle Long, I've just about had the um, lack of durability. And to his fault or to not to his fault, whatever it may be, he has not been a reliable asset on the Bears. I want to say he's been like his the entire 10 years. 60th something ranked offensive uh, lineman in the NFL this year, which is, I mean, it's, that's not good. Whatever it may be. Wherever they need to find this consistency and momentum, it needs to be found over the next two weeks because we could allude to the Ravens teams of the past. We could even allude to the Bears Super Bowl run Mm -hmm. when they lost to the Colts. We could allude to all those great defenses and how defense wins championships. It obviously does. But go back to that Ravens season. I don't know offhand, but break things down from week one through 16 and imagine how many of those ball games could have gone one way or the other. It's executing in the moment. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how good your team's a defense is compared to the offense. It's executing in the moment, and it's making sure that you have one more point than the other team. A lot of times that's not going to work. A lot of times that's the, the least sustainable approach to victory that you can have counting on the past because another team made it happen. Go back and look at that Ravens team. Look at how many games they should have lost Mm -hmm. or how many games were fluky or how many calls went their way that gave them one more game. Things happen over 16 weeks, but when you're painting with a broad brush saying we have a good enough defense to really compensate for the, what the offense is not bringing, we don't. There isn't a defense on the earth good enough to compensate for the 30th ranked offense in the NFL. There no, just isn't. And I think the irritating part of it is, is we, we've seen this as Bears fans in the past, these inept offenses, and you know I, I'm not sure if it's been to this extent, at least you know production-wise, but we've seen the talent there. We saw it last year at moment, like in times and in, even in certain games. Like the offense was not great last year, but the offense was good in the moment. The offense showed its flashes, and the, it had some fantastic games. But for the most part, it was about as good as it needed to be. It put up 31 points against the Patriots. Obviously, it had that unbelievable game against the Bucks, but that's the Bucks. You know, it torched the Lions a couple times. It was a solid offense, and this year, for whatever reason, everybody on that group, except for Allen Robinson, who, again, seems to have taken a step forward, has taken a step back. Charles Leno, who just got paid, I believe already is up near the top in uh, in holding penalties. I, I think I saw a stat that last year the Bears' offensive line only had 13 holding calls against them all year. They have yeah. 12 already. You know, There needs to be some sort of accountability taken, whether that's shaking you know rat- rattling the cage and making a change on the offensive line maybe whether that's flipping white hair and daniels back even though white hair has probably been their best off not probably has been their best offensive line i'm not sure alex bars just uh, turned down a contract like to be on the 55 man or 53 man from the patriots to stay on the bears practice squad maybe there's something he knows i'm not sure but something has to change during this buy and we- we've heard it too often from matt nagy during the season about how the offense how you know they're going to get it right how they're going to get fixed they're going to do things differently and the next Sunday comes and they're out there running the same things. They didn't, they're not really changing much. I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I'm, I'm where you are with the offensive line. But offensive line, of, there needs to be a change. I, I don't terms, know what it is, but they need to figure something out. In terms of Matt Nagy, I know it's a bit of a fatalist approach, but I'm kind of getting to the snake oil salesman point of this whole process. Like, I don't know if I believe in his vision 
I know I don't believe in his play calling at this point. That yeah. is empirical evidence. You see how the plays are called throughout the game. Whether we're talking about leadership or other things that go into a head coach and management and getting guys ready and decision making, those are the things that I'm really unconfident in Matt Nagy. I know that I don't like his play calling. Matt Nagy's second down play calling makes me want to rip my hair out of my head. I don't care if you get one yard, two yards, or three yards on first down. Running the football on second down is not a, unless you're in a first and sub or second and sub five situation, I don't want to see the ball on the ground. Obviously, you can't get, you can't get um, predictable in your play calling. So, which I think they have. They've gotten very predictable. Predictable the wrong way. Yes, exactly. Teams know that's not a good thing. That if that if they don't teams know that second down the Bears are gonna run the ball regardless of down and distance. Now if you're in first and long and you go to second and long and you run the ball, you're going to find yourself in third and long. It's just you're not gonna get chunk yardage on the ground on second down, especially with this offensive line. Your chunk yardage on the ground is gonna come in unpredictable moments, running it on third and short, first down, a chunk play, a seven-yard gain, that's where run. That's where rushing production happens. It doesn't happen on second and long. They've put themselves in so many instances where Matt Nagy's beautiful playbook gets so shrunken on third mm-hmm. down because they're in a third and eight. They're in a third and 13 because of those penalties you were talking about. The lack of momentum and flow can be directly sourced back to an ineptitude in play calling it it, like Matt Nagy obviously knows exponentially more about football and the game than you and I combined Mm -hmm. but all of that knowledge is good for nothing if you can't employ it properly he's not doing his job effectively just as the offensive line isn't doing their job effectively just as our quarterbacks have left things to be desired Matt Nagy can go up to the podium and say how we still got juice we still believe this and that you might still believe, but we're losing our belief. The fan base is losing its belief in you. He's the guy who, and I, I don't mean to, I was reading David Hawes' column this morning. He said something along the lines of like, he's the guy who every, you know, weekend or every Monday after, you know, a weekend of eating pizza and burgers, always, you know, this is the week I'm finally going to start working out. I'm going to get back in shape. And then you see him out on Friday night, you know, walking out with a large pizza from Domino's after the bar. Like, that's what it is. It's, it's, he just keeps, he says, you know, I'm going to do this and that. I'm going to do this and that. And then week after week, it's just back to doing the same old stuff. Like you say, that's, that's very frustrating. That's pulling your hair out that he, for whatever reason, might've worked last year, isn't working this year. He just keeps trying to fall back to that. And And it's incredibly, you're right. It's incredibly frustrating because the talent hasn't peaked the way it should be this year the way it did last year and again a lot of that is on you know the offensive line group up front but a lot of that i think is that i'm I'm not sure they're being put in the best position to succeed how come every time it seems when this bears defense and i don't want to say they get picked apart but when teams are able to kind of chunk their way downfield that's what they do they're hitting these short you know slants over the middle whatever why, how come it seems like the Bears are never willing to do that? It's always like we need to go for either, you know, we're, we're running it inside or we're trying to run some crazy pass. But, like, hey, let's just try and chunk the ball downfield. Let's play simple pitch and catch. If they're playing off us, let's spread them out a little bit and try and hit a little bit of a slant. Hey, second and six, that's not half bad. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems they, they never seem to just fall back on the simple. There could be something to the fact that the defense is so good as well. I think that as a head coach, Who's also so that, a play that caller. absolutely adds adds to your pressure. You, you want you to feel it a little bit because you want to live up to their. Not standard. only is there pressure, but I've very much seen a "don't lose the game" approach. Quarters mm-hmm. one through three from Matt Nagy. You get to quarter four and you see a little bit of uh, a little bit of urgency about the group. You see a little bit of change in play calling out of necessity because you're down ten, you're down seven, you're down three. Whatever you are, you're trailing, and there is a urgency that isn't their quarters one through three because they're just trying not to lose the game because their defense is so damn good. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at some point, yeah, you, you, you have to, there's nothing wrong with having that mode of thinking at some point, like in the Minnesota game, when you're up 16, nothing or whatever it was, 13, nothing. Throttle ball, it down. That's the totally clock. fine. I get it. You know, run at the ball. Zero, zero, we at can't zero, be worried zero, about clock management. Don't, don't already be resigned to the fact, you know what? We got a great defense. Let's, you know, just try and win the field. Go out and 
let your guys play. Call some plays. Get a little bit of, uh, you know, there, there's always the safe offense, but don't play this whole, we need to protect the ball, we need to be safe, and then we'll punt it and turn it back to our defense. Your defense is good enough to bail you out at times, and you don't want to have to think that way. But if Mitch or Chase throws an interception, trying to go downfield to Allen Robinson or something or whatever, you do have a good defense that can usually pin their ears back and at least hold the team to a field goal. You have that. And look what happens when they don't. Look what happens when they don't create turnovers. Look what happens when the anchor of your defense goes down with a dislocated elbow and you can't stop the run. Mm-hmm. They made Josh Jacobs, who I believe will be a very back good and an all-pro throughout the next decade, half decade. I really think he will be. He's one of those guys where, regardless of the offensive line in front of him, he's probably going to make three yards happen. He's, yeah, he's a talented good. runner. He's a developing pass catcher. He can pick up blitzes. His he's vision, a fantastic, his vision he's a with the ball is fantastic. fantastic football player. He is not a 21-year-old ball carrier. He's, mm-hmm. You cannot overstate how great of a season he is. We made him look like Walter Payton this week because when your offensive line is resetting the line of scrimmage a yard downfield. He's got three running lanes to choose from, mm-hmm. not just option A, not I got to bounce it to option B. He can do whatever he wants to get to the second level. And when you're running downhill to the second level, linebackers and safeties are in trouble. Now, you can get into the scheme and you can get at all of this. I trust the defense. I will, until otherwise, trust this defense. <laughs> I think that as bad two- as they played, we're talking about a team that allowed 24 points. I as think that bad they, as they played, they played a, as one. Of, that was, I would say, one of the worst efforts we've seen probably since the Miami game last year. I think the two deep can be trusted on the defense. I really do. Mm-hmm. I really do feel that. But there are going to be days where other teams avoid catastrophe. They protect the quarterback. They don't set you up with a thirty-yard field for the offense, and the offense then has to find a way to score on an eighty-yard field. Mm-hmm. It, it's just there's going to be some weeks like that. So. The Bears are very – I think what I'm trying to get at here is that the Bears are very, very one-dimensional as a team. They need, they need to create turnovers. They need a short field, and they need to be able to play with a lead. If they don't, we're in trouble. If those three things aren't happening, we're in big, big trouble because this offense doesn't have the ability to come back, and if the defense isn't creating turnovers, they seldomly have the ability to drive the ball 80 to 90 yards. Yeah, and uh- – I love Taylor Gabriel, but an offense shouldn't be missing Taylor Gabriel no, that much. You know that's, I mean? like, that's, that that's was, not the linchpin. It that was, that, if, if that's the linchpin you're off, as much as I like Taylor Gabriel, he's a very nice receiver, very nice slot guy, good deep threat, absolute burner. If you're that inept because you've, you're missing one receiver, and that was Anthony Miller's time to shine, and i, I got to be honest, that was my pick to be kind of a little bit of a breakout player this year with the flashes that we saw last yep. year. That's another guy who seems like he's taking a step back. I don't I know mean, if he was feeling himself a little bit, if he was reading him. his own press clippings as the guy who's going to break out this year, but you know, we saw him. I know Chase did go up a and terrible made one, throw. Made a, he made one fantastic catch, but like we need a couple fantastic catches because I think it's the quarterbacks on this team aren't going to put it on you. Yeah, and I think the last the the last Daniel interception, which again was a terrible throw, and he will be the first one to say that, was also because Miller broke off the wrong route, and we're yeah. wondering why you know early on that you know he's getting so few snaps, and I'm starting to wonder if it's because he's mentally, not all he's that aware, not of the play. he's yeah. not mentally checked in, he's not understanding the playbook. I, I don't know what it is, but he's got to get that figured out too because he has the skill. We've seen the talent, we've seen the flashes. He's just not putting it all together for whatever reason. And I, I at this point. The physical part is there, so you have to assume that it is a mental thing. That it's not an attention. It, that it's an attention to deal. De- excuse me, detail yeah. thing. Yeah. But that's the frustrating um, part. Is this this offense? As we talked about in our you know the season preview all year, it has the weapons around it. It has the tools and it has the people in it to be successful. I'm just not. They're just not executing. I'm not sure if that's because they're being put in the not being put in the right position to execute. Obviously, part of it has to be with the offensive line being terrible. But no one else is really. With the exception of Allen Robinson, who essentially willed them back into that game, no one else is really grabbing the bull by the horns or you know grabbing the team and saying, "Get on your, get on my back, let's go, we're doing this." And that's sometimes what it takes to turn a season like that around because people do feed off pe- people feed off performances like that. If you see a guy like Allen Robinson going out and balling out a lot of that time, you think, you know, what? I got he's picking up his weight, I got to start doing mine, and that's contagious. And it's. <clears throat> There's one person on here on this team that we're seeing do that. As much as I love David Montgomery and I've been satisfied with him, the offensive line is playing so poorly that it's hard to you know it's hard to feed off four yard runs even though you're getting touched in the backfield. 
I think a perfect example of a team with, and I know we have more receiver talent than they do, but let's let's bulk George Kittle into the 49ers sure. receiving talent. I think the 49ers have a pretty commensurate talent level as the Bears do. They have a fantastic pass rush. I think our pass rush is better. We're not going to do a full back yeah. and forth here, but I think they're comparable teams. Talented defense, not a great offense. No wide receivers to throw to outside of. I mean, Marquise Goodwin's a burner. Dante Pettis is a deep threat, but like it's not your traditional make. There's no wide real receivers. reliable, you know, number one. George Kittle's the George reliable Kittle number was, one, yeah, but he's, he's a tight end. end. He does everything. Jimmy Garoppolo, the jury's still out. I'd take Jimmy over both of our quarterbacks right now. Mm-hmm. Not the conversation I'm trying to have either. But what I see in that team and what I saw up close on Monday night is a team bought into what they're trying to do. Similar idea. Offensive genius, quote unquote, in Kyle Shanahan, who knows how to employ the play calling at the right time. Uh, your your star running back goes down two years ago. Your um, Jarek McKinnon, who you got... I yeah. believe he, free agents? he, he, was, he was free agent. I, I think it was free agency. Yeah. But paid him out of your ears. He's supposed to be a running back for the next three seasons. He hasn't played it blows, down, has he? Blows his knee out in preseason last year. Comes back this preseason feeling great. Knee goes bad again. Eight more months. They now have a stable of running backs who've stepped up because there's a belief, whether it's in Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's in Kyle Shanahan, whether it's in Mike McGlinchey and a fantastic offensive line. There is a belief that regardless of the personnel we put out on the field, coach is going to put us in a situation to win. And when that happens, you find yourself up 24 to three in a Monday night football game. You find yourself winning a game by three scores. That's the type of belief in a sub elite roster, a sub elite offensive depth chart that still creates productivity, that still gets the production beyond their talent level. The bears just don't have the ability to produce beyond their talent level and even up to their talent level, because I think it is a very talented group of players. We've said it in the past. There's just something not right right now where that talent is not shining through. I mean, part of this, I I think that's a really good point about the 49ers. I think part of that belief in what you're doing, belief in your coach, belief in your system, all that type of stuff has to do, and we hear teams, people talk about this all the time. And, you know, you hear, especially if you play football, you hear your coaches bring this up throughout camp all the time is what's your identity and the identity of the 49ers offense has been you know Kyle Shanahan goes back to Mike Shanahan a Shanahan run offense is going to be able to run the ball really well it doesn't really matter who you put back there they're going to be able to scheme the run they're going to block well and they're going to be able to throw the ball off play action the Chiefs are going to be able to spread the ball out Mahomes going to be able to move they're going to have a tight end up the middle and they're going to be able to find some open weapons that's kind of their identity and they're going to run the ball off that what is the Bears identity what do the Bears do? Well, even last Third year, long. even though Third the, long exactly, the even, even though the Bears were a fine offense last, and I think you'd agree with me. They weren't anything special. They weren't bad. They were fine. They were better than last this year, year, right? Yeah, they were a fine they offense. They progressed as an what offense was with their, more with more weapons. Yeah, what was their identity last year? I feel like nobody really, outside of David Montgomery and Allen Robinson, no one really knows what their role is. That's what yeah. it, that's, and I have no way of knowing this because I'm not in the building. I'm not at practice. But from watching them on TV and watching them closely, paying attention, it seems like not a lot of people know what their role is. And that goes back to Anthony Miller, you know, being a little bit weirded out or upset that he only got so few snaps in week one. Yeah, uh, Cordero Patterson <laughs> is lining up as a running back in the backfield week one, and now I, I actually think they figured out nice ways to use him now. But it, his identity, his role has changed in, in, in the first couple. There really isn't much of an identity to this offense. And like I said, outside of Montgomery, outside of Robinson, there's not really guys who know, I, I think, their exact role, what they're being asked to do. And I think you make a really good point about – identities of offenses and teams. I think the identity of the Kansas City Chiefs was uh, stressed. I think it was it was challenged on Sunday night, and you saw what happened when they couldn't throttle it back and run the ball against a Colts team. You lose. Yeah. Whereas the 49ers, their identity is, you know, kind of West Coast, dink it and dunk it, hand it off. And when the, the defense is allowing you that, like they were on Monday night in the Browns, then you take it. But there are going to be weeks where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to throw the ball 32 times, and can you win that way? Teams that have had dynastic runs like the Patriots can do it a myriad of ways. Uh, We've talked about it before on the podcast. They'll put in defenses week of and show you man-to-man that you haven't seen on film in three seasons. They'll 
run the ball 45 times in Buffalo if they need to. They'll throw the ball 60 times in Kansas City. However Bill Belichick feels like his team needs to win, they're going to be able to do that. And it kind of gets back to my point of the Bears being ultra one-dimensional as a team, as an offense-defense, and as an offense specifically. Yeah, like, uh, I, I just I, I don't know how how else we can get into it, but there are more question marks surrounding this team going into the bye week than there really need to be. Yeah, and I, I, you brought up a good point with Kyle Shanahan. You know, kind of knowing how to call the plays, knowing how to feel his offense. I think a lot of that dates back to how long he's been an offensive coordinator. And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, I like Matt Nagy as a leader. I think he's a good CEO. I think he has the pulse of that locker room. I think the locker room really does respect him. But this really is only his third year calling plays. And uh, he's the, he is the coach. This is the guy they settled on. But it might not be for this type of group, one that's ready to win now, having a guy that's just kind of learning. It, it, I know it's year three, but it takes a little <laughs> a little while, especially now when you're calling plays as a head coach, to kind of adjust yourself to that. It takes a little while to get, uh, to get acclimated to that. Maybe he's still learning on the job, which is not a good thing. I'm not sure that's the right guy, the right type of play caller to be leading this group. But... That's Whether what or not he's still learning, he needs, he someone let him know. Someone let him know we don't have time. We don't he's have got, the time. He's got ten days to figure it out. Because when you look at the schedule and when the Bears move forward, they have one of the tougher schedules they have the coming toughest, out. By of, winning percentage, they have the toughest schedule remaining in the NFL. There's no time to figure things out beyond this ten days. You got to I mean, go out and execute. Literally, I'm going to read you off the rest of the schedule. This, this, this real quickly. There's maybe month, one game that you say, yeah, they're going to win for sure. Home against the Saints, home against the Chargers. That's when they should win, but the Chargers are a good team. At Philly, home against Detroit, who's good. At St. Or at, at L.A., home against the Giants. At Detroit, home against Dallas. At Green Bay, home against the Chiefs. At the Vikings. There's not one. The, the, the Giants are probably the one game. Outside and even of the Giants, yeah. That's going to have Saquon Barkley back by that point. That's going to have you know Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram back by that point. That's also not a bad team anymore that beat you last year. Yeah, there's not a there's not a layup win like there was like last year when they lost the Dolphins. They had the Patriots, but then they had the Jets to go home. It, there's not that get right game. They need to start getting right against good football teams. And it's not too long from now where the Bears become the layup win. And, mm-hmm. and it'll never be easy to beat the Bears with this defense. But you get seven weeks from now, and this team has gone two and five. I don't think anyone's afraid of them on the schedule at that no. point. And it's. I still believe in this group. I still believe in the roster that they have. It's largely the same roster that I know is an easier schedule, but went 12-4 and four last year. But they need to start playing like it, and I think that's from top to bottom. They need to start acting like it, and especially on the offensive end. Everything looks good on paper until you got to play. Yeah. And if, if your general manager and everyone at the top of the build, everyone in the, in the big offices is putting you in a position to have the talent to win football games and you're not, major change is on the horizon. And Which, I know it's too, it's too early to talk about that and things could go great. The Bears could come out of the bye and rattle off five straight and let's hope that that's what happens. But what we saw in the pre-buy execution doesn't inspire any confidence that that is what is going to happen. No, and they're going to have a test right off the bat. I don't care if the Saints are playing Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees. It, it, to me, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I think at Drew Brees returning off you know, a six-week injury or whatever it is, probably going to be pretty comparable to Teddy Bridgewater. That's going to be a challenge. That's another really good defense and an offense with a lot of weapons, and they better and come ready if- to play. Even if Breeze isn't back, Teddy well, four I said. touchdowns. Oh, okay. Teddy, I, I Teddy, I, no, no, no. I said back. Teddy. I, even you said weather. Yeah. I, Teddy Bridgewater to me is about the equivalent of Drew Breeze coming off in you know six weeks sideline. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Teddy went. Teddy went four touchdowns, zero interceptions last week, and against a fairly he, decent defense in Tampa. Who I'm trying to figure out who do they have this week? I'm forgetting. Uh, just off the top of my head, uh, uh, I don't. New remember. Orleans has Jacksonville. They're in Jacksonville. So. This could be a perfect opportunity for Teddy Bridgewater to put four straight wins in a row now. Seahawks, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Jaguars would be the fourth win in a row. Mm-hmm. Move his team to five and one. Have everything feeling positive going into a Bears team that they probably don't believe can score with them. Yeah. That could likely be the narrative going into this one 10 days from now, unless something at Hallis Hall really, really gets done. Yeah, and... I know the players are gone. They'll be back next week. The coaches, I'm sure, they're now putting in a lot of work because of that loss, and let's hope they figure something out. But uh, I think we've hopefully said all we can say on this. And yeah. that's, uh, 
that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I'm, uh, you just yeah, you just you just kind of Forrest Gump this out of bear stock there. That's but, okay. uh, I, I, I've said I've I've made my piece, and I, I don't want to belabor over this. I haven't thing, made my piece. I'll never make my piece if this <laughs> team lays an egg. But uh, good, I'm bad, done. or other good, bad, or otherwise, um, this season has taken a turn towards a direction that uh, we didn't think looks, it was going to go. Looks gloomier than we had hoped, but yeah. still above five hundred, still three and two, still with a majority of the divisional games uh, to be played. Momentum is a funny thing. I think this team just needs to find some of it. And yeah. uh, if they can do that, they might be all right. But uh, that's a big if. Let's hope they can. Uh, why don't we whip it around the league, Matt? I like doing that. For some other futility. Yeah. Did you did you remember to open up the schedule before we started the whip around? Or you I did. Go? I'm looking at it, but, wow. now I'm realizing, but I'm realizing that I have week six up, so I just changed it that's back to That's just a rookie mistake. I was about to give We're going to start us with the, the Patriots. The Giants, Giants and the Patriots. Patriots on Thursday night. <laughs> No score. Now, we're going to pick it up uh, last week on Thursday night. The Rams and the Seahawks, a great game. Seahawks squeak it out 30-29. to 29. I think Russell Wilson is, you know, reigniting that conversation of guy we don't talk about enough. Uh, Five-yard five touchdown pass to Chris Carson on fourth and goal. I think that he's the perfect example of not too high, not too low, going to win you a ton of ball games. Uh, the Rams have an existential crisis on the defensive side of the ball, 30-29 to 29 the final there. Yeah, I don't really know what happened to that defense, if it just got old fast or something along those lines, but they're, they're yep. not the same unit they were last year, the same unit that held the Patriots to 13 in the Super Bowl. Uh, that's going to be a fun division to watch, so we'll get to it when we talk about the 49ers likely at the last game we talked about here, but that's going to be a fun division to watch because Seattle does seem like they are maybe not the same old Legion of Boom Seahawks, but a very comparable uh, team in that division. Cardinals and Bengals, Kyler Murray notches his first Your boy's on the board. As an NFL starter, putting my career-long proposition into danger. Uh, He's won three and one. I will claim every week until it gets scary. No six-win seasons for Kyler Murray as a starter, but we won't get into it right now. Still think Um, you're safe this week. Pulled one off, yeah. Pulled one off, one three and one the Cardinals. The Bengals now 0-5, uh, Bengals sliding into the Miami Dolphins conversation of will they ever win again? Yeah, it's they're just kind of sad to watch. If you can't beat the Cardinals at home, I don't really know when you can win. And good for Kyler, bad team, but he, he played pretty well, almost 100 yards rushing. Played well enough to win on the road. It's tough to win on the road in the NFL, and that's where he got his first win. Bills and Titans, ew. That was the thing. To, Fourteen to seven, the Bills win. Uh, now four and one on the season. Raise your hand if you had that. Josh Allen threw for two nineteen and two touchdowns. Uh, really just did what he had to do to get things done against the Titans. These are two teams, regardless of the Buffalo Bills four and one record, two teams that I think will fade into infamy over the next few weeks. Oh, see, I disagree. I think the Bills are going to the playoffs. Do you the really? Bills, the Bills have Miami next week, which they're. I would hope they'll win that. They play the Eagles, who is that's probably a loss, but they have the yeah. Eagles at home. The Eagles have been up and down. Then they play the Redskins. That's probably a win. They play at Cleveland, very winnable game. They play at Miami, which again they should win. They play the Broncos. Like the, the next like five yeah. games, they could very well go four and one, and we could be talking about an eight and two, a seven and three Buffalo Bills team, which to me is just crazy. My head's spinning. My right? head's spinning from right? all the and to the Titans. The have fun with Cody Parkey, I guess. <laughs> That's a thing. He had, to, he had to sneak that in, right? That's a thing now. So good luck, guys. Buccaneers and Saints. The uh, good faith Buccaneers coming off a big win uh, against the Rams. Uh, drop one to the Saints. I think everyone got a little bit happy on the Bucks coming off of one win. Uh, as you said, and as we talked about briefly, Teddy Bridgewater filling right in for Drew Brees. Um, looking like he's finding his groove with that offense. 31-24, to 24, the final Saints win. Yeah, uh, I didn't watch a ton of that game because I was uh, I was at the bar with the Bears on, so I didn't see a lot of these on Red Zone. I can sum it up for you. Teddy Michael played well. Thomas. There you go, Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. I'm, I'm looking at the stat line here. 11 receptions, uh, 182 yards, two touchdowns. Yards after catch was out of bounds. I'm, um, I'm not always a big fan of paying the wide receiver big money, but uh, I think Michael Thomas deserved that big money. Yeah, and when, when you talk about that, that is the identity of the New Orleans Saints is pass the ball, um, even even if it's to the running back. It's so. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and yeah. it was it's still Drew Brees for a little while, but I mean the offensive identity is those two guys. Yeah, Vikings and Giants. The Vikes move to three and two as well, twenty eight to ten. The final here, Kirk Cousins, uh, the ultimate all the haters right at Kirk. least at least for six days. Um, until we see him do some dumb stuff too. I think this was kind of the. Don't worry, Adam they play the Eagles on Sunday. 
Yeah. Um, I think they're starting to level out as well. Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, it seems like it's either one guy or the other, um, whether they're leaning run, leaning pass. But uh, it was definitely a mixed effort from those two. Uh, Thielen with 130 yards receiving, Dalvin Cook with 132 yards on the ground. So um, they've shown the ability to get it done both ways, run, pass. I mean, we just got to take one more from them and go 2-0 and against them on the season. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins did what he does against bad teams. He'll probably continue to do what he does against good teams. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones wasn't great, but he's got nobody over there right now. Yeah. Uh, Jets and Eagles. Eagles with no problem here. 31-6 to the final. The Jets move to 0-4. They will get Sam Donald back for this week, but the Eagles um, scoring on a Nate Gary uh, interception return early in the first quarter, and that was yeah, it was it. over before it started. Uh, Jordan Howard, I mean, this is no secret, but for some reason, it's still a secret. Is emerging as a number one running back in Philadelphia. I mean, great for Jordan Howard. I'm very happy for him. He's always been a good player. I, I'm also not totally on board with everybody saying, "Oh man, look how good Jordan Howard is." The Bears never should have traded him. Jordan Howard would be doing anything in this offense because the line is is terrible. But that's not neither here nor there. No, I um, think those I think those two things can both agree, uh, exist. Yeah, Jordan Howard. Look, Howard's at, how, great. He look also at how good Jordan Howard is. Yeah, look at how Eagles good have a great Howard offensive is. line. It's not a problem that he was traded. It's um, not a problem that he was gotten rid of. On the other side here. Uh, is Adam Gase going to get fired? Um, I think he needs to be. I, I think I, he's uh, going to get fired. I think he's yeah. going to be a one and done. Um, we've seen that. Uh, Better hope that, Sam uh, Darnold comes back and saves his job. And uh, the seal has been broken on uh, coaching firings, which moves us directly to the Redskins and the Patriots. I was gonna say, uh, speaking of firings. Yeah. Uh, Dan Snyder calling in the lesser Gruden. No offense. But uh, calling in Jay Gruden on, at 5 a.m on Monday morning to fire him after a 33-7 to loss to the Patriots. Hey, Dan Snyder, what did you think was going to happen against the Patriots? If you got that call from Dan Snyder texting, hey, be at the office at 5, I'd probably just say no. It's a, because you, you, could, you know what that is. Like, you know what? You could let me know what I need to know right now. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there at 10. If you want to text me beforehand, that's fine. Uh, 5 I, I feel like that's what I'd do. Uh, the Redskins are the Redskins, the Patriots are the Patriots, and both teams. I mean, this was like the ultimate, like, like one, the picture of a great organization and the yeah. picture of just the worst organization in probably I read, sports. I read a really interesting article. I believe it was The Ringer. might have been Robert Mays. I forget who it was. But it was uh, a conversation about who is going to take the mantle as the next Cleveland Browns, the team that you can write off. I think for five years and I think it is the Redskins um, not to give the Browns a bunch of credit but they've taken themselves out of the doldrums yeah. of of just like organizational ineptitude and I think that's where the Redskins find themselves Scott Van Pelt did his one big thing the other night I think it might have been Monday or Tuesday on the Redskins situation mm-hmm. and if, if you got a chance it's two minutes on Twitter you can find it he's from that area so he, I mm-hmm. believe he is a, was a Redskins fan growing up all that stuff and it was he, he kind of tore into him and I think broke it down very very eloquently that as long as Dan Snyder's there and Bruce Allen's there, just nothing's going to change. It doesn't really matter who they keep bringing in or who they don't. Who's going to want to go coach the Redskins at this point? Who's going to want that job? If you're an up-and-coming offensive coordinator, even if they have you know the number one pick, they're probably not going to let you use it on Tua because they're obsessed with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Who's going to want that job? I don't think anybody. It doesn't have much luster to it, so we shall see where they go. I think uh, further down is where they end up. Jaguars and Panthers. The Panthers went 34 to 27 behind a another just unbelievable performance by Christian McCaffrey. That team goes as he goes. He's undoubtedly the most dangerous weapon in the league, but for some reason, there still feels like there's a little air around him of. You know, when does the floor fall out, whether that's an injury, God forbid, or mm-hmm. just burnout throughout the season? I mean, he touched the ball how many times the other day? Uh, um, he 37, he had, I think, last week. I'm not sure how, how many on Sunday. I know he had 19 carries. It says here, I don't remember how many receptions he had, but over 25, you know, I'm he, assuming. He touched in, all the time. He's in the game every single play. He had 19 carries, so um, just another great performance out of him. But uh, how sustainable is that? We'll find out. The Panthers, one of those mid-level teams where I don't know. I don't know if it matters how good Christian McCaffrey is. No. I, I just don't think that there's enough there. No, I, I defensively there is. I'm just not sure outside of McCaffrey on offense there is, whether it's you know Kyle Allen playing efficiently or Cam Newton, who's not Cam Newton, really the same. He's a shell of Cam Newton, what he was. I, I'm not sure there's much else outside of Christian McCaffrey on that offense. But for now, 
while he's healthy, while he's playing at this high of a level, they're a lot of fun to watch. The Jaguars, hats off to them. Their quarterback franchise, I guess, quote-unquote franchise quarterback, went down in the first half of week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't really packed it in. They haven't quit. They're, they're playing pretty good football. I know they're two and three. The record doesn't exactly show it, but they've been in just about every ballgame they've played. Yeah. Uh, Falcons and Texans pitchers duel 53 to 32, 85 combined points. This was the game that felt like Deshaun Watson got back to being Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. And what better time to do it than going into Kansas City next week between our two biggest gunslingers in the league. I'm so excited for that matchup between Deshaun Watson and what appears to be a bit of a hobble to Patrick Mahomes after getting that ankle rolled up on, but still going to be a fun matchup offensively between those two teams. But going back to last week, Watson, 28 of 33, 426 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, I believe it was SportsCenter did a stat board about uh, Watson becomes the sixth quarterback in NFL history to have three such games where he throws five touchdowns and zero interceptions. The other quarterbacks were like Favre, Montana, Brady, Roethlisberger, and one other. I forget who it was. It took the quickest to that statistic, like 300 and some odd games to get there. Deshaun Watson has started, I believe, 38 games. So uh, he's he's really doing things at a very impressive clip. Now, I know that's a product of the league changing as well, but I don't think enough can be said about Deshaun Watson when you keep him upright. No, I, I, you made that very, uh, very good point there at the end. You said when you keep him upright, he wasn't very sacked. important. <laughs> he was not. He was not sacked once. He was only hit once. And I, I know a lot of people laughed at the Texans for you know trading the couple first round picks for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, but they got one of the best left tackles in the league. They got their quarterback another weapon. They shored up their biggest problem up front, and it's paying off. Um, Deshaun Watson was. I know I've called him out on here a couple times in the past for being a no show. Sometimes this game was not one of those. This was that mm-hmm. special flash that we talked about. Um, Will Fuller, not to jump on the Notre Dame bandwagon a little bit here, but I, I love watching him be yeah, the burner. He was, I mean, he is when he's healthy, and it's it's a big win because he's not always healthy. But man, he looks so much like he did at Notre Dame. He's just faster than everybody else. There, and there he, just, he just runs by you. There aren't enough defenders on the field to throw two at him either. No. Then DeAndre Hopkins. Is, yeah, is it, wide open. he is and the. They complement each other so well because once you start having to compensate for that deep threat, like you said, there's DeAndre Hopkins, and then when you yeah. want to, which it, the Piers Atlanta tried to take the we're going to slow down DeAndre Hopkins train. Well, Wolf Fuller went out for 14 for 217. Yeah. I mean, he's he's uh, fantastic. And then on the coaching firing front, Dan Quinn, um, you know, maybe maybe prepare yourself. Maybe get a think, maybe get one of those bankers boxes. Huh? Just keep yeah, just keep a bankers box. Just keep one under your desk, just, just in case. case. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe pack up the the perishables and, and get the yeah. hell out of there because it's coming uh, sooner rather than later as well for him. But one of those franchises where it. It doesn't make sense. He should have been fired probably five times over the last five years, but yeah, um, we shall see. Maybe not five years. They were in the Super Bowl, what, four years ago? Uh, was it thing three? I think yeah, through twenty fifteen. That usually, what that usually buys you. That usually buys you a little bit of leeway, um, even does. if you blow a twenty eight to three lead. He but, didn't win. Uh, Broncos, Broncos and Chargers. Broncos win, get their first win of the season. Hey, Vic Fangio, let's give a little. That's off for you, Vic. Let's good good job. Bro. We're proud of you. He looks overwhelmed. First of all. Second of all, 20-13, to 13, the final in this one. The Chargers, a, a team with what seems like another identity crisis. Can't figure out who they are. And I know you're you're working in another running back now and Melvin Gordon and how many times does he need to touch the ball. But um, play calling needs to, I think, increase just effectiveness um, there, too. And yeah. I, I just I, they're just one of those mid-level teams where they could beat the best team in the league or lose to the worst team in the league. Or lose at home to the Broncos them. by a touchdown. They, I mean, yeah. they were down 14 at one point. Uh, yeah, not much to take away from this one. This is like the game that everybody seemed to forget about because uh, Packers-Cowboys was on the other channel. Um, it, it, like you said, it wasn't a great game. The Chargers just kind of are what they are. And I'm going to go back to the Bears here and say that's, that's probably a must-win when they host the Chargers a couple weeks from now. Speaking of Packers Cowboys, the Packers go into Jerry's world and make it Aaron's world. Thirty-four to twenty. He's five and zero, I think, win. in that building. Won five in a row in Jerry World. Yeah, I think the most exciting thing was Ellen next to George Bush um, in the, uh, in I the love suite that. in Jerry's suite. That was good stuff. Um, I, I'd rather not talk about the Packers and how good that they look. So yeah, the we're Packers gonna... win thirty-four to twenty-four. Colts cool. Chiefs. It's cool seeing W. The, it, it, I saw Ellen's like the video she took with her iPhone, and that then was, when, she, yeah. when she focused it on Bush, the face he kind of heavy, kind of like did like a little. <laughs> 
little like laid back with his tongue. I was like, <laughs> <W>. I'm done. <laughs> I love that guy. Cowboys game. <laughs> I, own, I own this place secretly. Uh, Colts and Chiefs. Colts win 19 to 13. A statement win on the road at Arrowhead, one of the hardest places to go on the road and win a football game. Uh, as we said, Patrick Mahomes a bit hobbled, uh, but still four and one coming out of that loss to the Colts going into a tough game with the Houston Texans. Talk about the difference of a team being able to run the football versus a team that can't run the football. Yep. I mean, the, the, the Colts can run the ball and they can stop the run and they went, like you said, into one of the toughest environments in football and pretty much, it was a close game, but they pretty much manhandled the Chiefs. They held on to the ball most of the game. Marlon Mack looking at 132 yards and the Chiefs couldn't do anything. Uh, they just pretty much relied solely on Patrick Mahomes and when he kind of tweaked that ankle a little bit, that offense was completely slowed down. That was that uh, Monday night. You can't you a, can't skip Steelers Ravens, Joe. That's you know. We skip skip you, well, you jumped Steelers Ravens when I talked. Uh, I, did, I did. I did. I did. Getting fired. You jumped it to go to speaking and getting fired for Redskins, which I can't blame you. But you got it's it's okay. It's <laughs> tough to remember to go back. I get you. Ravens twenty six, Steelers twenty three. Mason Rudolph got his block knocked off. There you go. That's that's fair. It's it was it was fun. This used to be a fun rivalry. Now both teams just aren't all that good. It's kind of poopy. Wide uh, open Monday division night, now. Monday night saw the 49ers take care of the Browns 31-3. to I'm not a big talk about my fantasy teams guy, but oh, uh, had a peak had a peak fantasy moment uh, playing listener of the podcast, Frank Marchiori, good friend of the show. Hey, Frank. Um, he had a 7.5-point lead on me. I had Matt Breida. All his players were done. Uh, I needed Matt Breida to go for that 8 points for the win, and on the first play from off from – from scrimmage for the 49ers offense. Breida takes it 80 yards to the house uh, down the opposite sideline. But I watched it from field level and uh, had time enough because the, the run was so long to take my phone out, film the second half of the run, and then turn the camera on myself laughing maniacally. So well, that's a, just that's just good a, trolling right there. It was a peak fantasy moment for me. Uh, not going to be tough to match. Yeah, for me, the... The standout moment, the pickout moment from this game was Nick Bosa's uh, celebration. Oh my goodness! Sack. That was. Awesome. I mean, just Nick Bosa's night. Two sacks should have been three. Mm-hmm. Um, two tackles for a loss. I believe five total tackles, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Freak of nature. Got to keep him healthy. Going to be really good for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Baker, woof, woof. I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Whether it's Freddie Kitchens not being a good enough quarterback coach i mean not that anyone in that building was prior to but he's shown a serious regression and i'll be honest with you you, 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 you take the flack because the the bark came before the bite you look at the uh like the the stat line here and last week they were so good because they were able to run the football against baltimore now you were at the game so maybe you saw it a little bit more than i did i didn't watch this one all that closely but you see nick chubb here 16 carries averaging over five yards a pop why is he only getting 16 carries, and why is well, he the only running instance, back getting the ball? It was an instance that they found themselves down 14 nothing, eight minutes into a football game and panicked, and they just got pass happy, and that's not how you're going to You can't be. do that. It, I know it's tough when you go down 14 nothing, but you're, you're so early on, you still can't just bail out right away. The Niners have six effective pass rushers and a really athletic group of linebackers, so, I mean, it's going to be hard to do anything against that defense. Their weakness is their secondary, but the secondary only had to cover for, like, a second and a half, two seconds mm-hmm. all day. So, yeah. um, you know, they employed their formula to win to perfection. And uh, that was the week that was in the NFL. Hey, Dolphins didn't lose. They were on the bye. Good stuff that's, right there. That's a good thing you could say about them. Congrats, is, you know, having them as your Let's talk team. money. Let's talk money, Matt. Uh, I'm leaking oil. You one are. And five, one and five on the season. Comebacks coming. Promise it. Uh, Matt's three and three on the season. I'm just going to get mine out of the way, faded if Go you for want. It. But I like Michigan State covering a ten and a half, a big number at Wisconsin. Michigan State, Michigan State's strength is the run defense. Wisconsin's strength is the run. I believe that over under is forty, so bonus under right there. But I think Michigan State holds it to a tighter ball game than people are going to expect. Michigan State covering ten and a half. Uh, getting ten and a half on the road at Wisconsin. You know, you last year when you started to struggle a little bit, or I don't know from was two years ago, you, your philosophy was, you know what, I'm just going to start betting on the, you know, the sure thing, or it's not the sure things, but you know, the great teams, whatever. And you pretty much just went Patriots and Chiefs back to back, you know, until, yeah, and you did, started racking I? up some wins. I'm kind of surprised you're not going that route, but you already made the pick, so it's locked in. Can't let you do it. 
Um, I was actually thinking about the Chiefs because uh, I'm a big fan of the the bounce back theory. You know, good teams usually bounce back, and the Texans have been such a high and low team. I think Mm -hmm. after that outburst, they're kind of due for a little bit of a a lull. But that four and a half, that hook kind of scared me, so I'm going to stay away from that. Part of me wanted to take the Titans plus two at Denver because they're that same thing. Whenever you expect them to do nothing, they usually win. When you expect something out of them, they lose. I'm going to go Mm -hmm. to the college ranks, though. The over-under in LSU-Florida game of the week is 55. I think that's a whole lot of points for a team in Florida with a hobbled quarterback and a great defense. Uh, as good as LSU's offenses, I think they could put up you know, 31 points and we'd still probably cover that under. So as much as it might not be exciting, uh, I- I'm going to take the under 55 in that uh, primetime showdown Saturday night in LSU-Florida. Uh, I think that's a a good pick, and um, well, if you think it's a good pick, then I'm kind of worried. Yeah, you're in trouble. Um, I just those kiss of death. Uh, Just scrolling through the timeline right now. Today was the XFL draft. Oh, who got drafted? Anybody good? Uh, Any names that they're like, wow, that guy got picked. A couple Nebraska names that I know. Um, Local kid uh, Jordan Westerkamp. Oh, the Montini kid. Yeah, Montini kid set all those records in the state championship. Good Um, for him. Love their Huskers on here, but uh, no one that jumps off the page. No, like no uh, awesome quarterbacks that were like, "Wow, that quarterback was sick in college." But that he was is terrible in the pros. that's XFL talk. Damn, um, maybe we'll have a segment a, uh, come out. Little, little XFL segment. I don't mind it. Yeah. But uh, for now, that was locks of the week. Let's get into some uh, buy or sell before we say goodbye here, Matt. All right. Uh, should I start things off, or do you want to? How do you want to do you this? You start us off. All right. We got a. We, we mentioned one marquee showdown in LSU Florida this Saturday. I got another one for you. Oklahoma Texas. Uh, Oklahoma is about five and zero. Texas four and one. They're only lost two. LSU at home by a touchdown, so that's what the committee would probably call a good loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you: buy or sell? The winner of this goes to the college football playoff. It's a good question, right? Um, I think it's a good one. I'm going to sell it. Oh. I'm going to sell it. Does that mean you think Texas is going to win this week? Yes. That's okay. exactly why I'm selling it. It's because I'm, I'm keeping in play the upset. Um, I believe that, yeah, it's an up. That we, that's Oklahoma's favorite, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm keeping in Oklahoma's play. Oklahoma's an upset. 11 and a half point favorite. So if you like that upset, you should, yeah. probably, you should probably take those 11. It, it, I, I wouldn't read too much into that. We talked about it a little bit before. I mean, they're an 11.5-point favorite, but this is going to be such a high-scoring game. This can could I, be a back-and-forth battle, and a team can win by 12, and you can still say, wow, can that I buy, was a close good game. Can I buy and sell it? Because if Oklahoma wins, I think they're in. I, I don't know. I mean, know this is your opportunity. Like you can buy or sell whatever you'd like. I'm not going right, to tell I'm you buying. how to use I'm your I'm buying money. it. Oklahoma's going to win. You convinced me with the 11.5-point spread. Okay. I think Oklahoma wins. I think they win the Big 12. I think they go on to be uh, another team that really confuses the committee, and I think that they make the Final Four. And I okay. think that... Um, Jalen Hurts wins the Heisman, and you get three straight Heisman winners from uh, Oklahoma. Wow! And I think that, and I think that Lincoln Riley takes the Redskins job, and I think it ruins him. I think if <laughs> I just played out the last, the next four years of football. If John Dorsey was smart, he would throw infinite oh amount of God. dollars at Lincoln Riley, like and literally a blank check, because that is Baker the way you're get, the way you're getting Baker Mayfield the best out of him is through Lincoln Riley. I mean, you saw it throughout his career. He didn't play really good football until he was paired with Lincoln Riley. And then he did. He played great football. But that guy got the best of him. That guy's an offensive genius. That's how you're getting the best out of Baker. You have to I offer was, him all, anything he wants. I was sitting 20 feet from John Dorsey in the press box at, on Monday night. and Was he not pray, thrilled? Pray for his gum. At, like at this point in the season. I was actually just going Dorsey's to ask gum. you, like, could you hear him oh, chomping from where you were? It was a show. It was an absolute show, chewing on the gum. Um, Love that. Take, taking hard notes. Like, feel like he's a guy who, if you're using a legal pad, you know, one of those yellow legal pads, it looked like what he was writing. Of course. On. He's got to rip out the next three pages because okay. they're just, you're not going to be able to put anything else on those next three pages. So, Love that. Yeah. Just a really intense dude. But right, what, uh, let's move on here to another buy or sell question. What you got for me? Matt, as Minshew Madness uh, takes on a speed of its own, it Love doesn't. That guy feel as fluky as it did maybe two weeks ago um he's got the mystique he's got the jean shorts and oftentimes those things are indications of a lack of longevity but this guy is starting to kind of put a little bit of statistical support behind the madness uh matt buy or sell gardner Minshew is the jaguars starter week one of next season i think you gotta buy it um i I think from what you've seen from him what his salary is going to be for the next few years 
and I think the market for Nick Foles in the offseason, you'll probably be able to find a trading partner with how desperate people are for quarterbacks. Always uh, a market for Nick Foles. Yeah, I, <laughs> there really is, which is just wild with how many times he's been moved and he's moved and all that type of stuff. I think you will find someone to take – I think they will move Nick Foles somewhere. Um, actually, if things keep going poorly with the Bears, I would suggest you keep an eye on the Bears. Please, Jesus. Um but that said, I think with with how well he's performed with his age, you know, is he's probably only going to grow. I think he has the the he has the swagger of a franchise quarterback. I think he has the he's won the conference of that locker room, that coaching staff, uh, and I think he's performed like you said. So I'm going to buy it. I think he's he's in Jacksonville for the long term. I think he is their answer there. I like it. Um, I buy it too. I think that. Uh he kind of fits the mystique of Jacksonville as well. Yeah, uh, he's a, a little he's bit a perfect Jackson. A little bit Jacksonvillian. Offbeat. Yeah, Jackson, 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 Jacksonian. I think no. it's Jacksonville. Jackson, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Jackson he's a Jacksonville. You got the mustache to be a villain. Might be onto something. Maybe Let's put that on a t-shirt. Okay, your turn. Okay, uh, we didn't forget about playoff baseball. We Never. Did not. Uh, one team that made the playoffs, not there anymore, though, the Oakland A's. Uh, they are they and Rob Manfred, I believe you might be able to uh, talk about this a little better than I can. Since mm-hmm. They're out there threatening to move to Vegas if the uh, if the town doesn't support them uh, on, a, on a new stadium. Uh, I know they've been trying to get a new stadium. I feel like I've seen the renderings and drawings for a new stadium there for years yeah. now. Uh, so I guess buy or sell in the next five years, the A's follow the Raiders to Vegas. Oh, man. Um I'm going to sell it just because there'll be such a – not that the A's get the support that the Raiders get anyway, but there'd be such a groundswell of disappointment. There'd be three teams lost in five years. Yeah. If you count it, the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors, I know, would just move just across from the bay. E- but From an economic standpoint, the city of Oakland is just getting cut at the knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the problem with the new stadium. They're trying to move it to Howard Terminal, which is a really expensive plot of land that they've already proposed the stadium being at. They okay. don't own the land. There's the one big hiccup. Um, so I think this is Manfred's way of putting the flame to them and expediting the process. He came out this morning and said that wasn't a threat. That was just, um, you know, there are alternative courses of action here. It wasn't a threat, but it's a threat. It's a veiled threat. It's a 100% a veiled threat. Um, do I think it'd be good? Like, what, what was the question here? That they, Buy or that sell, they follow the Raiders to Vegas within five years. I'm selling it. Okay. They need right. to figure out a way to make this happen for the city of That Oakland. team needs to stay in Oakland. Um, and I don't think that this management works in Vegas. Uh, I think that the Billy Bean money ball approach kind of only works a couple places. Uh, You're only going to have a few fan bases that are weird enough to be okay with that type Mm -hmm. of approach. Um, Oakland's the perfect spot for that. Now, how do you get the team over the hump from game 163 to the actual playoffs? That's the most important question, um, because when that question gets answered, then I think it's really hard to move a perennial playoff team to another city. Yeah, um, I, I just don't think that that's an easy thing to do. Usually these these moves and these shifts are found in troughs, um, whether it's the Saints struggles in St. Louis, um, whether it's the Raiders struggles in Oakland or whatever it may be. These decisions are usually made in times of desperation. Um, I don't think that the A's are a desperate franchise right now. So I'm going to sell it. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, I don't know it enough, you know, to buy or sell it. But it'd be awesome to if if they did move to Oakland and then they played in the same stadium and then we still got the baseball field on the Oakland Raiders home field for like the first month. Gosh. That'd be sick. Bring it back. I'm going to miss oh, that. Allegiant they should just do that out of nostalgia. Oh, just have goodness. baseball field on it for the first four months. Regardless, yeah. Uh, but I hope you're right. I, I don't really know enough to buy it or sell it, but I wanted to uh, put on it. Matt, we're going to keep things in the MLB playoffs here. On the Matt, buy, buy or sell, aces are overrated. I'm we've still seen we've seen that. losses in back to back days out of Clayton Kershaw and out of um, who lost yesterday, Justin Verla- Verlander. Verlander lost yesterday. Verlander lost on three days rest. Um, so that's a little bit tough. I, I, it's he was still looked dominant in his first outing. Garrett Cole obviously looked dominant. Uh, if you look at the Rays, they won game three because Zach Grinke's good. He's not an ace anymore. Charlie Morton, their ace, went out and was dominant. Um, Steven Strasburg has been dominant throughout the playoffs. Walker Bueller is starting again for the night for the Dodgers. He you know, was 1-0, didn't allow an earned run in that outing. So I'm still going to buy it. I still think the ace is 
incredibly important, but as we've seen over the last couple of years, it's more about getting your ace through six innings and turning it over to your bullpen. So your ace can, you know, throw a couple more times or one more yeah. time a series. Um, I, I'm still no, going to buy the importance of the ace. That's yeah, that a fair question. I, it's, it's a fair question <laughs> after Verland. I mean, Kershaw, I love Clayton Kershaw. He is an ace, but he has a little bit of a history of not necessarily getting shelled in the playoffs, but not looking like an ace in the playoffs. Matt, get our stat people on this. When was the last time Clayton Kershaw and um, who are and Justin, Clayton Kershaw and Justin Verlander lost consecutive starts? Like their same start that week. I'll see if I can get the cruncher on it. Put the cruncher on. I'll, it. I'll see if Camp will get on that. I think that'd be good stuff right yeah, there. Be, who do you uh, Who do you got before we get out of here? Because this is uh, that was our last buy or sell. I think who do you got winning tonight's games? Cardinals, Braves, <sighs> Do- Nationals, Dodgers. You know, I think. The Braves' allure is there, and like not having a rooting interest or, or not really having dug into this series all too much. Um, I, I like Atlanta. You know what I like? I like four winner goes on, loser goes home in the same week. Um, we had games, what was that? About 10 days ago um, was wild card, right? Mm-hmm. It was like the second. Um, so yeah, no, seven days ago, exactly a week ago. So we're now getting a... Loser goes home, take your lunch pail with you for the fourth time in a week. I think that's awesome for baseball. I'm gonna um, go but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say to answer your question, I'm gonna say smart money's Cardinals and Dodgers. Let's say I'm gonna go road teams tonight. Cardinals, Nationals, and then I okay. think tomorrow it's the home team. I think the Astros with Garrett Cole on the mound hold off the race. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going with the Cardinals because they have their ace on the mound, the Bravestone, because aces are not overrated. Aces are not overrated. Matt, that's all, all I got for you and for the people. Uh, you got anything else? That's all I got. Um, shout out to our friends at Betsperts. I know we didn't get that. Oh, yeah. That we, all, all we, got, oh, just, it, it always head over to Betsperts. They got the, uh, the, the best coverage, the best analysis for anything you want to gamble on. You can follow anything, look up anything you want to, any type of stats. While Joe stirs his coffee in the background, I can hear that clinking on the, the spoon to the cup. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's me. That's uh, nice. I like that. I'm Not actually, even subtle about it. I'm stirring a, uh, a cauldron of good luck. I'm trying to find some sort of like, I need like you, some, you, eye, some eye one, of newt, some at, like witch's brew. To at, get one going and five, to get me. at one and five, you need all the help you can get. And I think uh, and I think that help it needs to come from Betsperts. Maybe you I need to head have, to Betsperts. And I just haven't been on Betsperts enough. We'll, we'll get you on there, but, but head over there. Help yourself win some cash. I like it. Uh, Matt, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for listening to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 124, I'm guessing. I haven't said it in a while. I think it was 124. Uh, that was 124. Good job. Not important. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 124 of the Moose and Runes podcast. As always, share it, like it, comment, Twitter, social. All that stuff. Mailbags. Instagram, Snapchat, Snapface, We're not Facebook. On Tell your grandparents about it on Facebook because that's the only piece of people that use Facebook now. Um, and as always, for Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. I'll see you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>